Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are on episode 51. Man, I can hardly believe it. Next week marks a year, which is unbelievable. But we are actually doing a very different topic to um, to wrap up this year, which I'm super excited about because it's a topic we have sort of touched on through various podcast series. We talked about it a decent amount on the storytelling series way back and maybe a few other series. I'm sure we've touched on it. But this series is going to be all about audio. And I have a spectacular guest with me for the subject. With me today, I have Ryan Coda. Ryan is a uh, 14-year. Uh, he's been he's been working in the audio industry for 14 years with a premier audio recording studio. He's done everything under the sun. He's going to tell you all about kind of the details of that. But not only is Ryan a expert with audio, but also uh, he shoots weddings and he's been in the wedding industry since 2009, mostly as a photographer and uh, getting started in video lately, but his real expertise is all about audio. And so that's why I wanted to have him on. Ryan, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. I'm. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. Maybe Ryan, you could just uh, for our listeners who would like to hear a little bit more about why they should listen to Ryan Coda, talk to us a little bit more about your experience, kind of your journey in this audio world. Okay. Well, um, long story short, I graduated high school a year early and I was 17 at the time and I was sick of being the youngest kid in school because all throughout school, I was a year younger than everybody, got my license a year later than everybody, had to bum rides my entire sophomore year in high school. So I was sick of that, and I said, okay, I'm going to take a year off, see what I can do. And I moved to L.A. to become an actor and to do that whole spiel. And immediately upon arriving there, I realized I was broke and needed a job. So I got a job at a um, construction uh, company that was renovating... Um, a music studio down in LA and I was working there and said, wow, this is an amazing place. It's, I'd love to work here. And I told the manager at the time, Hey, I'd, I'd like to work here. I've played the guitar for eight years and I have a musical ear and I'd really like to become an audio engineer. And they sort of told me, uh, well, we're only hiring professionals at this time and only people with experience. But then uh, luckily, someone above that person found out about me and said, hey, let's give this guy a shot. Let's bring him in as a um, intern and we'll teach him everything. So I came in as an intern um, to this magnificent studio and learned uh, my way up from the bottom um, on the job and working with other 
top 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 professionals in the in the craft of recording music and recording um orchestras and i worked my way into film um audio for film and tv doing dialogue editing sound design uh sound effects editing um everything under the sun uh we did there because it was it was kind of a one-stop shop of like a video editing they we had a video editing bay and it just it just uh flowed from the beginning of production through to post-production. So I did everything from recording bands, complete bands and and, uh, albums by myself. And then on the film side, I dealt with set sound and even going to set myself to record dialogue for for the film and commercials and TV shows, et cetera, on set and then bringing it back and then having to deal with it in post and mixing it. And yeah, I was there for 14 years and I just recently moved back to Northern California because my wife and I had a child and um, that's where I've been ever since. And I've shot weddings professionally, uh, photography wise for since about 2009, so almost 10 years and only recently got into the videography world because the... uh, the company that I work for up here, Shooting Weddings, we recently added uh, mu- added videography to the resume, and they decided to go with me as the videographer because I know audio so well, so they wanted to translate um, myself into the, the videographer. So I've had, you know, a lot to learn, and, um, and yeah, it's it's so fun for me to use to kind of fuse the two crafts into one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think for for many of us who get started in this world of shooting weddings, we probably started out with basically a music video. I mean, I see most people who are posting their work that are looking for feedback because they're just getting started. It's pretty much all music videos, right? It's just they shot the wedding, um and didn't collect any audio other than what was in camera and are just going to set it to music. But I think there comes a point in time in anyone's who anyone's career who's going to try to really do this as a career that they realize in order to set themselves apart, they really need to craft story with kind of their vision. And in order to do that, you have to have good audio. So I've I've heard um, I've heard that it's been said and, and I've, I've witnessed this myself when I'm watching like random people on YouTube or whatever. It's like, you can sort of put up with bad video as long as the audio sounds good, but it's really difficult to put up with bad audio. You know, you kind of click away if you, if you're hearing bad audio. And so I think that's, that's pretty well true for wedding films as well. At the same time, I think that. If I were to, if I were to guess and just sort of be a voice for all of us, we spend way more time, way more energy into getting our imagery right. And audio sort of becomes an afterthought. And, you know, when the audio goes poorly and then it comes to the edit, we're sort of like, Oh crap, what do I do? And, you know, trying to figure out all these secrets of <laughs> how I can sort of, uh, you know, work some magic to try to fix all this. But so much of it comes down to 
did I collect it right in the first place? Um, because audio is far less forgiving than photos or than video footage. Um, now maybe to a master like you, you're able to sort of work, work some magic on some of this audio and, and, and sort of, uh, bend it in the ways that you want to and that kind of thing. But for, um, for the average wedding filmmaker, we are far more capable at sort of correcting bad photos or, or, you know, over or underexposed video than fixing bad audio. So, so much of it comes down to getting it right when we record it. So I want to start from that place. And, uh, sure. you, you're just kind of starting in the wedding world, but have done everything under the sun in terms of recording dialogue and, and music and ambient sound and all that kind of stuff. So talk to me through in your ideal world, what are all the things that you're doing to collect audio on a wedding day? So I'd say the, the number one rule and the first and foremost thing you have to ding home um, to someone that you're trying to teach or, or yourself on what am I going for? What is the, what is the objective of capturing a, a wedding? And I think the number one rule as far as audio is concerned is intelligibility. When you have, um, when you're in the edit and you're putting it together and you've promised a full documentary or you just want to use some of the vows and use some of that dialogue to kind of push your story because it's all it's in the end it's all about it we're just telling a story we're storytelling and i think all film and all tv and all that that whole realm uh revolves around that and i don't think wedding videography is any different so intelligibility is the first and foremost um, thing that I'm looking for, and that is in in terms of technical um, rendition of that is great. Get get a microphone close to the source. Get get a feed from the DJ. Get you know all these all these different things rather than I'm only going to use the audio from my camera that I have 30 feet away on a tripod to them talking or it even goes down to the details of great the pastor has a handheld mic and you're putting a mic on the groom and you're trying to use that mic to pick up the bride um it all it all comes down to that and getting your it's it's can you understand them or not and is it is it pleasant to listen to um and I think most most gear today that you can buy are that's that's absolutely achievable um, easily if you know some tricks of the trade and things. But if you've got a lav mic that you're recording um, on one of the key players, um, I think that is a must, and that's that's a that's the number one thing is intelligibility. Get that. Get it onto tape, um, and and it's a it's sort of, it's a ratio thing. It's voice to ambient noise ratio. And when you're 
far back and you have a even one of those little shotgun mics on top of your camera and you're you're out of range by maybe even five or ten feet um you're gonna get all the stuff around you you're gonna get the wind you're gonna get the the ambient noise that you're gonna have to reduce later and um yeah that that's that's my take on it the first like the basic good get get intelligibility <laughs> so you, can you understand what they're saying and um because i've i've had i've seen videos and i've i've worked with people who have um you know you can't understand what they're saying and that is a big like you're saying people will turn it off um right away if you can't hear you know especially if you've added that to your package or if that's what you're uh, banking on like yes I'm going to do a documentary edit and we're going to have all the dialogue and all the vows and all the you know everything the pastor is saying or the priest and then um, yeah that's that's yeah so in terms of getting that intelligibility out of your subjects let's start with the beginning of the day Um, so let's pretend that I walk into the bride suite and I want to collect a little bit of ambient sound. Uh, I want to collect, well, mostly what I want to get is I want to get interactions between the bride and her bridesmaids or bride and her mother. Maybe I want to pick up a few little sound bites that maybe could potentially go in the highlight. What do you recommend in that situation? So I'm just, you know, one guy, I'm in there and I'm, you know, just kind of shooting the getting ready footage. What do you recommend in that situation to collect that audio that may or may not get used, but if something really sweet happens, I want to make sure I have that for the highlight film. What do you recommend in that situation? In an ideal world, um, you would place a microphone on the subject that you wanted to get that dialogue from, whether it's the mother of the bride, it's the bride herself, it's her and her, uh, bridesmaids and maid of honor sitting around on a bed or you know in a in a suite in a hotel or wherever they're you know the country club room that they use for getting ready um ideally you could do that i know that is you know (laughs) that's wishful (laughs) thinking it's usually um oh we're late we gotta go quickly and um of course in that situation, having a microphone that's mounted on top of the camera that you're using to capture those moments with, either whether it be the road or a stereo mic that goes on top, I've heard um, what I've heard of that mic is not ideal, but it's better than nothing, and it's better than whatever onboard mic a camera has. Now, a little trick that I've used is have a, have a secondary recorder, a little handheld recorder. Tascam makes them. Um, Zoom makes them. And planting a microphone with, with um, closer proximity to the people talking, whether you hide it in a chandelier, you can hide it in a potted plant, you can hide it near, closer to those people, um, and usually, most always, it's an omni pattern that I use because directional, you know, if you're pointing it the wrong way, you're not going to get, you know, all the voice. 
all the all the full range of the voice there, but um, I've had high success with planting a mic closer to them on a, on an external recorder, then syncing it up later. But it sounds to me and um, in my experience that is a better way to capture that dialogue exactly what you're um, talking about, and it takes. Uh, 30 seconds to a minute to just hit record on it and plant it wherever you need to, um, to, to capture that. And I've, I've put them in, I've put them in places. I put them in chandeliers above them that you're not, you don't have in the shot. I've used, um, a mic stand off to the, to the left that I know that mic stand, just like a light, you set up a light, you know, you're not going to have that in frame. Just keep it out of frame and you get a lot closer to the action than your camera, especially if you have a longer lens, like an 85 and above. Um, I've had a lot of success with that. And that's a trick that's used on film sets around the world um, because you can't get a boom mic in. You can't get, um, you can't rely on lav mics. Sometimes lav mics have poor tonality because you're hiding it under four layers of clothing, etc. It's uh, it's just a a trick that I've used and and picked up along yeah, the way. So you're just recording direct into the recorder itself. Okay. Oh yeah. You're n- yeah, and syncing it later, whether you have pluralized or whether you know you label it. Uh, great, this is getting ready, and then you go and search and find that piece that you. Um, and always, 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 always run the camera mic um, as well so you know what's going on and you can listen to that even though you're not going to use that audio. Make sure you capture that as well so that you can find that spot and then replace it with um, with the sure. other audio. Okay, so scenario two is we're going to capture um, a letter reading. The bride and groom are going to read some letters that they've written to each other. Are you also going to put a lav mic on them? Are you going to record shotgun mic? What's your um, what's your kind of preferred method in that situation? If you're um, if you're taking the time and and you've set that up in whatever meeting you've had with the bride and groom before um, the wedding day, I would definitely suggest you make sure that they know. Great, I'm going to mic you up. Here's your mic. Put it on them, and even even. Um, you don't even need like a wireless going to camera, even though that's a preferred method. Um, Tascam makes a great, I think it's called the DR10, and I've heard of that being used a lot. It's just literally a lavalier mic that goes to a recorder. The recorder doesn't send it out anywhere. Um, you don't send it to a mix board. You don't send it to your camera. It just records. Um, and you place that on the groom or the bride and... That is the ideal scenario. If not, and they don't want to have it, or they're worried about it being in frame, um, then having a having a mic stand with a mic on it, and just like the last scenario, that would work as well. And if you're close enough uh, to use that shotgun on top of the camera, great. If that if that's going to sound good, and you're in a controlled environment, and there's not a lot of ambient noise. Great, you can do that way, but um, my preferred method is definitely placing a lav on them and having that um, as clean as can be recording of those 
of those notes because, of course, you're going to cut away to B-roll. You're going to cut away, you know, having a little a little microphone on the groom. I I don't I don't see that as an eyesore. Some people might, um, and they even make uh, microphones that come in white that you can hide a little better on the on the bride, and that's that's what I would do in that scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so this is always the bigger question, right, is when we get to something like the ceremony where there's going to be a lot going on, we're going to have multiple speakers, right? We have an, a, probably an officiant. We may have a couple of people who are going to do a reading, you know, a family member, a friend who's going to do a prayer or a reading or something. They're going to say something as well as, of course, the bride and groom saying their vows. What Talk to me through your preferred method of recording all of this that's going on um, so that you're sort of prepared for any scenario uh, to make sure you get good audio of every person who's going to have a speaking role in the ceremony. Sure. So um, the ceremony itself, I consider to be like a live event and I've done quite a lot of sound for live shows and concerts and um, things that only happen once and you don't get another chance. Um, So I can't stress enough. There's a rule. There's an old adage, an old maxim in the live sound world that if you only have one of something, you don't even have, you have zero. You have, you don't even have one. You need two. You need a main and a backup. And, um, I can't stress that enough because I can't tell you the amount of times that myself or I've seen other people, I've seen it happen. Oh, my recorder failed. My, the DJ feed that was, uh, was sending to me, he muted it. Or, you know, you're at the effect of just having one of something. So getting a, getting a backup and, um, that's, that's the major, um, thing I can't stress enough. So, and so what could that be? You know, you don't want to spend a lot of money on this to have a main and a backup, two redundant things. You don't want to put two lavaliers on the, on the groom, which sometimes they do in TV. But what you can do is um, take, take that DR10 with that lav mic or any other mic that's going to just one of those handheld recorders that you're recording externally, you can actually, I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I thought it was a joke at first, but point it at the speaker that the DJ is using to, to um, send out to the crowd, point it at the PA, um, get pretty close. You can drape the, the lav mic over that speaker and that great. That's your backup. That's your fail safe of, Great, my main recorder failed, but I still got that those vows because you don't want to be that guy to call the bride and say, "Hey, I know I promised you a documentary edit, and I'm sorry we don't have the audio because my recorder failed. We have the video, and I have a camera mic, and you can't understand what they're right. saying." Um, that I've I've been able to I've been able to use that and restore that to. Um, one of those microphones right next to a speaker, I've been able to restore it quite uh, quite well. It, it actually worked pretty well. I've, I've helped other people um, restore that 
type of recording to sound sound decent and decent enough to put in the edit. So with that said, having your backup in place and you could just let that roll, you get it started 30 minutes before the ceremony, you don't need to worry about it. It'll roll and and go and you have it and you just run up to it um after the ceremony, stop it, make sure you got it, but that's your backup. Um always 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 have a backup in place. So, with that saying, with that being said, we're going to go and um, the first person that you want to talk to and become friends with is the DJ or whoever's doing the uh, the sound for the ceremony. Whoever's responsible for the handheld mic or whatever kind of um, amplification that's being done with that with that pastor or the priest and the bride and groom, whoever's going to have a speaking role during the ceremony, you make sure that you know who's going to be running that, who's responsible for that, so you can be best friends with them because he's going to be your best friend. Uh, So you can either take a feed from him. um, He's going to tell you where the mics are, what the mics are, how many there are, because um, he could have a main and a backup, and he's going to use the backup and not tell you, and you're tapped into the main, and then that that becomes a whole ordeal. Um, so just get all of that straight uh, before the ceremony of where where do those microphones go into, and how can you tap onto it to get the best quality of sound. Um, and most of the time. Uh, it's an outdoor wedding at a venue, at a vineyard, at a, you know, a backyard or a country club. And you're going to have, you're going to have some control over, um, getting those feeds. And I've, I've seen and been in a situation where you go to a chapel, you go to a church and they've got their own sound system. And sometimes it's behind a locked door that you can't get to. And you can't take a tap off of that mix board, um, and you you can't you don't have control over that aspect of it, and that becomes an issue. In that case, you have um, in an ideal world, uh, you have lavalier mics connected to one of those little recorders that you can hide in someone's pocket. You lav up the pastor, you lav up the groom. Ideally, you lav up the bride. I know that is a whole separate issue itself. Um, so you have recordings of those key players. That would be the best scenario is you have your own microphones on those three people who are going to talk and um, and you you control your recordings so then you can bring them home and, and use those um, if you're not able to tap off, off of the the main system. Um, but yeah, in an ideal, in an ideal situation, you put your own mics and their labs onto those three people and you record onto the external recorders and you take those home and those, those are what you edit with. And your backup is the one that's pointed at the speaker. Um, and then the second scenario is you tap off of the DJ and that's a whole nother subject. Um, he may have a, a mix board. He may not. He may have a wireless mic. He may have a wired mic. Um, 
and there's there's many points that you can take. I've seen people come out of the an XLR out the through output of a speaker that he's using. I've seen people do that. Um, but if we're talking ideal and you want to take a feed from the DJ, you take it from the little, and it's a wireless mic that he's using a wireless handheld that's on a stand or whoever's going to talk, talk with it at the, at the, um, altar or podium or wherever they're doing it. You take a feed you take the the second output of that little wireless unit. Um, you take that, and that's what you record because it's the least, um, let's say, messed with. It's the least uh, tampered with audio. Because if you're taking it out of the mix board that he's controlling, the DJ or whoever's controlling it, you're getting all of his fader moves. You're getting the other mic that's being brought up. You're getting basically a mix um, of that if you're taking the main out. If you're taking a direct out, you're also getting the noise and the things um, introduced, the distortion introduced from that mix board into that signal. So ideally, you just you take it out of the wireless unit before it hits that mix board. That's the point that would be the best. If that's not a not a option and they're using multiple microphones and you only have one input to use, you're going to have to take a mix from the DJ's mix board. But again, you're running the risk of him leaving up a fader. So you're getting a mix of two microphones and that doesn't sound great. And your, you know, his EQ that he has on it to make it sound good in the PA, but it doesn't sound good on the recording. Um, you run, you run a lot of risks that way. Um, if you take it from, from, you know, the main output of whatever mix board there is. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, one of the things I've done, because sometimes I've run into DJs who they're using a wireless system, but the wireless receiver only has one output rather than two. And so what I'll do is take a whirlwind makes these amazing splitters. And, uh, so I'll basically, unplug of course with all his permission you know we kind of talk through all this i don't want to mess with his gear without talking about it all that but i'll unplug uh, his output um or sorry the the input that's coming from his receiver into his board and i'll plug that into my uh to my splitter and from there i'll bring basically i'll need to bring like at least three xlr uh, cables to be able to work all this out because I'm going to need extra cables in order to go back into his soundboard uh, for him. So he gets that same clean feed, but I'm also going to get a separate feed. Uh, but the cool thing is too, so I can do that, but then also uh, still go ahead and take the output, like the main out that he has, because most of our recorders are going to have, you know, at least two XLR slash quarter inch uh, inputs. Um, I'm using the Zoom H6. I've got four of them, but that would enable me to get both that clean source direct from the, you know, the the mic that the officiant's using, as well as an output from the DJ's board in case there's other speakers who come out and that kind of thing. But like you said, when you just take that main output, Boy, I've just found like it's a complete crapshoot. You know, it's it's maybe like 
maybe being generous 50% of the time ends up sounding good. Um, oh yeah. And, and 99% of the DJs I've worked with up here, I don't know if it's different in any other markets, it's going to be a Mackie mix board. And those are notorious for having noise, having hiss, having hum, um, not having the greatest head amps, the preamps for the mics, and that's that's what I'm tr- that's what I'm avoiding. If you come directly out of the out of the wireless units, and another rule of thumb is you can't you cannot have enough um, adapters adapters for your cables. Right. Having enough cables, enough shorties that you can use with your splitter or you know sometimes he's going to say um no I don't I don't want you to come out of those receivers or in the case of a chapel they're behind a locked door in the tech right. room that you know the person there on the Sunday doesn't have a key for and the guy to talk to is not there so you're going to have to come off of the board and some mix boards have a TRS uh, direct out on those channels. Some of them are XLR. Some of them are RCA. You know, it it, it without having a full uh, meeting with whoever you're going to be working with or whoever's running um, sound at at those venues, you're basically flying blind until you get there and you look and you say, "Great, he's got a Mackie um, so and so model mix board, and I can come direct out." So, um. Also, in 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 thinking with where you're going to tap off of, if it's not possible to come off of the wireless mics, the wireless receivers, um, the next best thing is getting a direct out of the channel they're going in with that mic because you can set it to be pre-fader, pre-EQ, so it's, it's least messed, messed with. Um, out of that mix board, so you get a cleaner signal than it would be if you're going out of the out of the um out of the direct the, the mix of the of the mix board, and it's great to have not limiting yourself to two inputs like you have. You have four. I think that's a magic number with how many people are going to speak. Maybe there's a guitar and a a singer that's going to sing while they're coming down the aisle and you want to capture that. Um, and you, you, the, the, the trick is not keeping yourself, um, tapped in before the DJ has his hands on faders basically. So if there's a mess up, if it's, if he's got the fader down, but you're pre mute, you still get that. And you're not, you know, you're not missing the hello and welcome. I've seen that way too many times of great. He had a singer that's walking down the aisle and he's got that person up and then the pastor just goes for it right after they're done. And that fader's not up on his mix board for, for when he starts talking and you miss that first couple words or sentence. Um, and you don't want to be, you don't want to have that later on become an issue. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? 
What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again, and have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get, and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 Hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 Hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 Hats just $300 a year and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so this part's, this part's new for me, so I want to make sure I understand. So you're saying that each of the inputs on a soundboard, and of course, we all know all soundboards are not created equal, right? Sometimes they come with, uh, you know, something the size of my little wireless Mac keyboard. And other times it's something much beefier. And sometimes it's just, frankly, the PA system. But let's imagine they have a decent soundboard. You're saying that each one of the inputs for the DJ is also going to have a direct out? Yes. On the back of most mixers that have that option, um, including some of the Mackies, the 12-channel, 16-channel Mackies, they have an output on the back that if you look, it says channel one direct out or um, uh, something of that sort. And there should be, when you have that scenario, it's usually a TRS. So you're going to have to get a TRS, which is the quarter-inch cable, to XLR or whatever you're going into your recorder with. That's what that's what I mean to have, you know, as many different um, kinds of adapters with you at all times so you can go in and out of things, um, you know, you have the ability to do that. Um, a mix board should have a pre-fader or a pre-mute send that you can set up and come just out of the back of the of the mixer's output um on the back of the mixer into your recorder and that basically takes the the microphone unaltered by the dj or whatever he's sending to his speakers you can take a direct out and that's also why you should have more than a couple inputs to record and have a little more than two because you're going to have, you know, either a singer or you're going to have another mic that someone's going to talk into, you know, up to three mics that um, 
if you only had two inputs, you're not going to be able to take a direct feed of each of those channels into your into your recorder. Okay, that's that's really helpful. So that's almost as good as getting a splitter direct from the wireless receiver. Is that what you're saying? Or is it as good? It is it is and isn't. It's not as good because you're still going through the the mix board circuitry and head amp and Mackie and other, you know, consumer uh products that most of these DJs are using. That's not the best. Um Yeah. It, it's it's not the most ideal it's not yep. optimum uh it it's still gonna sound it's still gonna have that macky sound or that you know kind of brittle harsh harshness to it and um i'd say still coming off of the receiver is best but you also have to make sure that the buttons are pressed correctly like on the mixer if you're coming out of that direct out It'll say it'll have a little button um, that either either an overall button for all channels. It'll say direct out. Do you want it uh, post fader or post EQ or pre fader, pre EQ or pre mute? It'll say something like that. All mix boards are different, but you want everything to be as much pre as possible. So you're basically bypassing all of his fader moves because if you have it post fader on the direct out, you're going to get all of his fader moves. If he moves the fader down, you're going to lose the signal. If he brings it up, same with EQ. If he's EQing it to sound, to not be feeding back and he's cutting out everything under 300 Hertz because he, he's having problems with feedback on his, on his PA system. You're going to get that on the recording. If it's post EQ, you want it pre everything that you can possibly get. Some mix boards have, um, the ability to do that some don't so you just have to you have to just see and be ready to hey can i can i set up a direct feed from your board thanks can we make sure that your pre eq and pre mute please okay thank you and you know he should be able to uh work that for you but i've you know many a time all uh, djs uh, aren't created equal <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so let me ask you this then, because I've one of the issues I've had when I'm recording audio from a DJ's soundboard is that a lot of times, because things are so rushed on a wedding day and all this, there's not time to test the levels um, that are going to come into my recorder. And especially not time to test with the actual person who's going to be speaking. So I may get a DJ who tests it at a level, uh, a normal speaking level. And then all of a sudden, uh, the officiant comes up and he is a very loud, uh, speaker who doesn't even really need the mic. And all of a sudden, all my audio is peaked and at the same time, I'm in this place where I have this other critical role of recording the video elements of what's going on. What's what's sort of a baseline for um, kind of looking at your levels or using auto levels uh, in your recorder? Like, talk to me through some of that stuff to make sure that we get audio out of the board that's not going to be peaking. Okay, so 
Um, that is my rule of thumb for setting levels that you don't see or you don't see a rehearsal with the person who's actually going to talk. Set them, and you're not going to be there. You're not going to be looking at levels. You're running four cameras on tripods. You, your your attention is not on audio at that point when it starts. I say safer is better. Bring it down, down a little bit rather than keeping it higher just to get, you know, nominal uh, levels that are... You, you just want a safe level at that point. And there's ways of splitting it into your recorder so you have one channel that's, you know, set at a regular level and then you have one down 10 dB. There's all sorts of ways of doing that. Um, But I say if if you've got one recorder, one channel, I'd set it to be safe. I'd say have him speak at a pretty loud volume while you're checking it, make sure that that doesn't peak, and then maybe just tap it back you know, five, seven dB just to be on the safe side. And if, if you get a DJ who spoke softly that you set levels for that, then you get a pastor who's yelling. Um, I would make an effort to run back and just check and make sure. But if you're on a camera the whole time, that's not possible. So it really is, um, stay on the safe side. Um, and yeah, if you have a DJ that says, oh, I can just put a compressor on it and that'll save your levels. Um, 10 out of 10 times, I will ask, please don't put a compressor on it. Um, just because I, I don't know what he's going to set it at. I don't know what he's um, going to think is okay. And... Once you've got compression on or limiting on a recording, you can't take it off. Um, it's nearly impossible to make it sound natural after the fact if it's overcompressed. And in terms of auto levels, maybe on a backup, maybe on a camera mic that you're using at the back of the hall just to follow the the peaks and valleys of the show, but never, ever, ever on your main feed or tap on a a ceremony or or whatever you're doing i would never use uh auto levels on on your main your main recorder possibly on your you know backup to the backup or backup camera sure. mic um it could come in handy it's uh, it's very difficult to deal with in post production, but um, if you like using it, great. If you you know if you like that sound and if you like uh, the um, if you like the convenience of using auto levels, um, great. But I I would I personally would never use it on my main recorder. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. The only time where I ever use an auto level and uh, maybe you can cringe at this as well is uh sometimes at a church uh particularly like Catholic churches, there may be a uh podium or lectern off to the side where there's gonna be a couple of people who come up to give a speech, and I'll stick a because lately the last several 
Catholic church has, I've done have given me no access to a soundboard whatsoever. And so I will put a zoom recorder up there with a lav mic and I'll tape the lav mic uh, with some gaff tape to the, that little uh, skinny mic that they have, you know, that every, every podium has. Oh yeah. And I'll set that to an auto level because again, I just have no clue who's going to be up there, what their levels are going to be like. So that's, that's the only situation where I ever use an auto level. Um, is there something else you would recommend I do instead, or is that the right call in that situation? That's, that's, I would steer away if you've, well, if you've had success with that, great. Um, I know those zooms and I know those, uh, task cams, they do have a, you know, an option to record a second channel of the same thing, just 12 dB lower or, you know, the safety, uh, track or whatever they, they recommend. I would, I would steer that way. Um, and that is another great way of making sure that you get your own recording, um, when they don't give you access to a board or when they don't have that, you know, the tech room is locked or, you know, you can't, access those um audio the audio gear that's a great way to make sure that you capture all speeches and get it in just a just as good mic placement as they have on the lectern or the the podium or wherever they're speaking on that taping it to the mic that's another great way to to do it awesome okay so talk to me this will be the last piece, and then we'll move on to kind of a little bit different topic. Um, talk to me about toast. What are you doing to record audio during the toast? I feel like that's one of the trickier parts for a lot of people is because uh, typically there's not like an opportunity to put a mic on the people who are giving a toast. Maybe you don't know who it is. Maybe there's six people who are going to give a toast, and you don't have that many lives. Um, so – yeah, what's your process? What are you doing to try to make sure that you get great audio during the toasts? So just like the ceremony, the toasts, I've been fortunate enough in the weddings that I've done, it's always been on a handheld mic, wireless, and I just take a tap off of the receiver into my recorder, and that's always sounded great. Um, And I can't think of a scenario that when you're filming and when you have the um when you have the people giving the toast and i i can't think of a scenario that it's not going to be awkward or sound bad when you see visually they have a handheld mic and someone to the right starts talking and then they put the mic over to that person if you don't capture that first little bit it's not going to look awkward it's going to look awkward when you they don't have a mic a handheld mic that they're passing around um that that's going to be an issue um when you're listening to it later i i think that as long as you're getting a feed of that that wireless mic i think you're golden um what do you what do you do in terms of you know you, you mentioned earlier one is none two is one rule uh what are you doing in terms of backup for the speeches 
either you're taking, let's say you've got a perfect world and you've taken a feed off of the wireless receiver of that particular wireless mic, then you either take a feed from off the back of the speaker on the throughout of the, you know, the QSC speaker the DJ's using, or you take a, a feed of the, of the mix, like the, um, secondary output of the main mix of their mix board into a recorder or down to great hang a little lav mic over the speaker so you're picking up what the speaker is sending out um that would be that would be the backup i think most of us again this comes down to whatever whatever the reason for it is we we know the settings of our camera really well we know what it means when we change from 1080 to 4k we know what that means when we change from 24 to 30 to 60 to to 120p you know um, we know what all those different things and what those different variables are going to give us but um, you know most of us probably haven't invested as much time in knowing what the difference is when we switch from MP3 to wave, when we switch from 48 kilohertz to 96 kilohertz, uh, can you talk to me about some of that and why we would make some of those decisions? Sure. Um, so when you're choosing the quality of recording or the type of file that you're going to record on these recorders, it's, um, Similar in the fact that the resolution of audio, it's similar to the resolution of video. Not exactly the same, but the higher you go, the higher the quality, and it gets to a point where the the quality difference of certain types of these, these kilohertz or... Um, the the bit rate the higher you go it's not going to be much of a difference for what you're trying to accomplish um the in the film world in the tv world when you're doing post-production the standard is 48 kilohertz 24 bit depth rate and that is you you can't necessarily go wrong in um, choosing that um, quality of recording, the higher there's higher and there's lower. I wouldn't go lower than that. Um, some people say 44 kilohertz is good, and some people, I hope they don't uh, use MP3. But if you've got a recorder that would do 48k, 24 bit. That is what I would say is the gold standard of what you should be doing. I personally use 96 kilohertz and 24-bit wave files. And that is only because it gives me just a little bit extra edge on how much processing I can do, how much, um, basically how much I can, I can process it. It gives me a little more leeway. And I have 
that's basically what I've been using my entire career in recording, mixing, editing. Uh, sound is 96k, so I've got it's it's a workflow, and if you if you choose that, it's not the it's not the same as going from 1080 to 4k in terms of how much processing power you need, and is it going to work in certain um, editing programs? Um, it's it's I you know it most people will tell you they can't hear a difference between 96k and 48k um but i i just choose it because it's just a it's a little bit a little better quality and it gives me a little more leeway in what i can do processing wise gotcha so let's talk about that what are in terms of of kind of cleaning up less than ideal audio what are what are the tools that we should be looking at? Because I think for the most part, most people are probably trying to keep it, but you know, keep everything in Final Cut if they can, keep it in Premiere. Um, you know, maybe they're using Pluralize just to sync things. But uh, other than that, you know, streamlining workflow is is ideal. Um, are there tools in Premiere, in Final Cut that you recommend? Are there plugins to those things, or do you recommend a, you know, an uh, a standalone software to work with some of this uh, less than ideal audio? Talk to me through some of that. So, there are many programs out there that are great, and they um, can achieve great products and. Simply the the one that I'm using pretty much exclusively to remove uh, unwanted uh, sound and ambient noise and clanks of um, dishes and silverware, things like that, during toasts, during the ceremony, is Isotope RX, and I've got version 6. And funny enough, I'm using program called Pro Tools to do all of my audio editing in and mixing. And when I brought, when I started doing video and I, I have it all installed on my computer and I installed the video program I use on my computer as well, that the same computer that I use for audio production, all of those plugins that I have in Pro Tools magically showed up in Final Cut Pro. And I'm sure it'll be the same in Adobe. Um, I could be wrong because I haven't used Adobe yet, but they show up there as plugins and things that you can use to clean up the audio and to put on to your audio track to make sound better. What I use is a program called Isotope RX, specifically the version 6, and really the what I use most with it is the Spectrum analyzer the spectrum view the editor and that enables me to take out things that i couldn't with any other plugin or any other standalone software it's amazing what it can do and i use that pretty much exclusively and it has an amazing array of other plugins that you can use to quickly get rid of things like d russell for those lab mics that you're that are scraping across 
clothing, um, the pop, the wind. There's all sorts of goodies that you can use to clean up. And if you were going to invest in, I only, I only want to buy one thing. I only want to use and, and spend money on one kind of suite of plugins. That's what I would recommend because it's got everything in there. It's the industry standard for, um, film and TV editing to, to get rid of noise. Um, and it's it's an investment that you'll just continue using for any project, not only weddings, but if you do corporate things, etc. And it, like I said, it it shows up in Final Cut Pro. I'm not sure if it shows up in Adobe. I don't see why it wouldn't, but you can use it in Final Cut Pro as a plugin on a track or as a standalone awesome. thing. That's great. Do you know, do you have any idea, like ballpark, what that costs? I believe it costs around $1,500 mm-hmm. um, for the entire advanced suite, which is the only one that has that spectrum view that I use. They also have an elements version, which, which gives you plugins. It doesn't give you the whole um, editor program thing that that is that you can use to get rid of specific sounds, but it gives you some really great plugins. I think that runs about 500. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Maybe 250. I could be wrong. And they always have sales going on and specials and things like that. So I think it's definitely worth it so that you have, um, unless you're recording in a studio, unless your wedding takes place inside a controlled environment that such as a church if it you know if all goes well and nothing happens and nobody talks over people doing vows and you know that baby in the back is is quiet the entire time unless that happens i think you're going to need something um to get rid of some of that noise and you know get rid of the hiss on the recorders and just make it an overall better product um more professional more you know sounds sounds a lot better than just placing in the audio and just letting it run with with you know nothing nothing to help it out for sure so let's put ourselves for a second in the shoes of the guy who's just getting started he's done a few weddings and his audio wasn't terrible, but he'd like to make it sound a little bit better. But he only charged $500 for his last wedding. And so $1,500 on Isotope version 6 is way outside of his world of possibilities. Within a suite like Final Cut or like Premiere, are there any tools that are going to be already in there that you're going to recommend he use other than just sort of adjusting his volume levels? Since I have started using Final Cut and editing my own videos, I haven't had to venture into those kind of built-in features. I know there is a audio enhancement button and kind of like a global fix my audio right. button. And I think that shouldn't 
it shouldn't hurt. Um, it can. Software is getting really, <laughs> really good now, and you know it. it try it and see if it gets rid of those, um, you know, bursts of wind or the ambient noise that you're having to deal with because it was an outdoor wedding. Um, I, you know, you can't go wrong with just trying it out, seeing if it works. Um, the, the thing to look out for when you're doing that kind of restoration and the, and fixing noise is you don't want to do too much. You don't want to make it sound like, um, the, the term I used in the industry with friends was sea monkeys. Um, the digital artifacts that are created from using it, overusing it. Uh, in that case, less is more. When you're trying to get rid of, you're, you're not going to get rid of everything. You're not going to make it sound like a studio recording. Um, and especially when you're dealing with video, you have the added benefit of what you see on the screen is what's happening. And if you're seeing the person if you're seeing their coattails fly up because it's so windy, you can leave in a little bit of that. You don't have to go, you know, bonkers getting rid of it. You you can less is more at that point, and you've got the visuals to help you sell that. Hey, there was a wind burst there, and it makes sense because it yeah, was on screen type for of sure. Deal. I will since uh, since I don't have the fancy Isotope RX software just yet, although you are making a strong case for it. Um, I will tell our listeners, um, I, I and uh, we in our studio exclusively use Final Cut, so I can't speak to Premiere, although I know for sure that Premiere has this feature. It's just to look for a basic compressor. Um, you're going to, you know, if you... On Final Cut, um, if you open up, you can just do actually a search because I'm not sure they've changed it up and it's kind of confusing where to find it. But um, if you open up the effects browser, then you can just type in compressor. And uh, and if you throw that over the top of your clip, uh, there's going to be a number. You can actually open up uh, a new box and then choose from a number of different ways to compress the footage or sorry, the, the audio. And, uh, we found some pretty amazing success just kind of fiddling with those things when a toaster held the mic down at his waist rather than up at his mouth and those kind of things in order to get audio that sounded, um, you know, much more intelligible. So there are some, some tools that are built in. It's not going to do all the fancy stuff the isotope does you're not going to be able to get rid of that rustle and get rid of the wind noise and some of those kind of things but there are some good enhancements that you can do with just a basic compressor that's going to be built into final cut or premiere as well so yeah that's great awesome so we are well over the hour mark here so i want to wrap us up if uh, and I forgot to, to tell you about this beforehand. If you want to think about it for a minute. Um, we love doing a pick of the week. Our listeners love our picks of the week. So do you have anything audio related 
that you want to point our listeners towards? A piece of gear, a piece of software, a microphone, a tip, something somehow related to making better wedding films? Yeah, I think uh, getting getting in touch with the the major players beforehand. Don't wait until they actually have a high, a microphone in their hand to minimize the t- amount of times that you're going to have people who hold it at their waist, you know, ding home to them that keeping it up, talking directly into it is what you, what Absolutely. you want. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I am a big believer in that. That's a conversation I always have with the toasters beforehand. And also, you know, I tell them they have this two foot box here imaginary box on the ground that they have to stand in and they need to uh, eat the microphone. And I tell them, you know, what it looks like to do it wrong and wave my arm around while I'm holding this microphone and showing them all the ways that we don't want them to do it so that they'll do that right. And yes, sometimes it probably adds a little bit of nerves to them and that kind of thing. But in the end, I'm still going to be able to get good audio and that's, that's going to be the main thing. Um, So I'm okay with, giving them that conversation and boosting their nerves a little bit. If it helps us get a, helps the couple get a better film. Yeah. And 50% of the time they're going to forget and do the same thing that they were going to do without you talking to them. But at least you've gone up to them, you've reminded them, you've told them how to do it. So there is a chance that they'll follow it and all those little details add up to getting getting a good audio track to use. Yep. Awesome. Well, my pick of the week is going to be a little bit more expensive than your little uh, your little tip there, <laughs> um, but it is the Sennheiser MKE six hundred. It is a it's a shotgun mic. Uh, I use the. Um, on my GH5, I have the XLR1 unit. So you can actually slide this on top of your hot shoe and then you have two XLR inputs for your camera, which is awesome. I've made that my pick of the week in the past before, I think. Um, because yeah, it, it, it more or less turns your GH5 into a proper cinema camera. It's pretty incredible, but. I am really loving this Sennheiser mic. I use it a lot during uh, bride and groom prep as my on-camera shotgun mic just to boost the quality overall of that and have seen a major improvement in the audio um, in those environments. But also, since I can just pull it off and use a longer cord and kind of stick it you know, have my assistant hold it towards a bridegroom. That's what I'll use during um, the reading of the letters. And so it's, I'm a huge fan of recording audio in camera whenever possible. Uh, You know, just, it makes the process easier. You don't have to try to find the footage later, you know, pluralized doesn't always work perfect. um, All those kind of things. So um, we'll actually run the the audio from that shotgun mic held very close to the couple so not just using the using it as an on-camera mic but actually using it as for its intended purpose and holding it right in there close with the bride or groom whoever's um, reading the letter and be able to record really great sounding audio direct into the camera so 
that is my pick of the week. Awesome. The Sennheiser MKE 600. And yeah, that's going to set you back 300 bucks on uh, most places that you can buy it online. Somewhere between 300 and 330 bucks. So, but well worth it. Not bad. Does it have, does it go to XLR? Does it go to, um, it's to XLR. Eighth inch? Yes. Um, of course, you can use okay. an adapter um, if you need to go into, um, you know, your mic jack and your camera. If you don't have a GH5 with the XLR1 or a C100 or something like that with XLR input, you can definitely, you know, use some sort of adapter. But, yeah, I love using it with the just the XLR cable. Works fantastic. Ryan, if people want to, if if we've got somebody who's in a desperate situation, they've got some audio that desperately needs to be cleaned up. Are you someone that can help them out? Absolutely. Yeah. I am very active on certain Facebook uh, groups and I've really, I, I know how it is on, you know, you're in the heat heat of getting an edit done and you need help. Um, and I've helped many people out cause I've been there myself. Um, and so yeah, absolutely contact me. I can, I can definitely help you out. And since it's very easy for me to listen to and see if something can get salvaged or not, and then, and then doing it, um, very quickly. So Awesome. And if somebody does want to reach out to hire you to clean up some audio for them, uh, where do we want to point them? You can always just email me. My email is rycota85 at gmail.com. And I don't have a website or anything like that uh, for, for that purpose. So it would be contact me directly and either through you because um you and i talk a lot and yeah just get in touch with me um that way and we'll work something out and i can listen to what your issue is and then after that there's always great how could what what could you have done better or what did you not do on the day that would fix this for the future. So you're not continually having that issue. Um, I've helped out a lot of people with that um, after fixing up their audio and then great. What, what did, what happened that, or what you were, what were you trying to do? um, And what did you not have? Or what did you not know that created that situation and get that, you know, get that fixed and handled so that you're good to go on the next one. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Ryan. This has been really excellent, really informative. I know this is going to help a ton of people out. So we are super grateful for you doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for having me on, on here. And also if any of your um, listeners have any questions, because I know that not everybody has the same background and same um, knowledge about this subject, audio. If they have any questions that 
we didn't cover or they have further um, questions about things, um, definitely send them my way and I'll, I'll be able to answer anything that they, they come up with. Awesome. Thanks so much. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.